Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Dear Diary. Sixth grade. February 14th. 1991. I am really depressed. How could she break up with me? Mom, you can't read this. TV was just starting when I was a kid. We weren't the first on the block to get one. It's hard to imagine, but there was a time when the idea of growing up with TV was brand new. I do remember one very strong memory. Walking down the street in the, in the summer at night, everybody had their front door open with a screen door. We lived in row houses in Philadelphia. And you would hear the dragnet theme start at this house, continue at the next Yeah, Los Angeles, you know, this is a city, you know, and and Joe Friday would be talking as you're walking down the block. Everybody would be listening to the same show. For a kid in the 1950s like Tom, TV changed everything. Come home, turn on the set, and be whisked into a whole new world. There would be a lot of westerns on Frontier Playhouse. So you'd see John Wayne when he was young, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Howdy Doody. What time is it? Howdy Doody! Okay, let's sing it! Over the decades, TV has continued to play a huge role in the lives of kids, especially for a mortified fan named Graham. TV before cable was only like six or seven stations, and you had to play with the rabbit ears to uh, get it to come in clearly. And then we got cable TV. It was amazing. You had 60, 70 channels. Uh, You had movie channels. The following movie is rated R. You had MTV. Call your cable company and say, I want my MTV. Used to have to wait till Saturday mornings for cartoons. Now there were cartoons on all the time. Thunder, the Barbarian. If you're watching a movie on broadcast TV, lots of bleeps, lots of scenes cut out. Now finally, cursing, boobs. It was great for a 14-year-old kid. Of course, for kids who grew up before the internet, TV didn't just teach us about boobs and curse words. It provided a lens to understand the world. And we've been thinking a lot about the role TV plays in our lives lately because we're actually about to launch our own TV show, The Mortified Guide. 
It's a crazy fun series featuring live performances, animations, and interviews with people who reveal things like... I never knew! I didn't know where to put the penis! From PureX and Radiotopia, this is the Mortified Podcast. I'm Neil. Today on the show, we're taking you back in time to an era before you could watch a TV show anywhere or anytime you wanted. When I was a kid, all I did was watch television. I watched every single show, um, whether I liked it or not. I watched everything. As a kid, TV dominated Bo Price's life, so much so that merely watching it every day just wasn't enough. Hello, my name is Bo. And ever since I was a little kid, I always loved writing stories and making movies. And at 15, I had this crazy idea to write a script that actually aired on TV before I turned 16. So I wrote an episode of Saved by the Bell. For those unaware, Saved by the Bell was a high school sitcom centered on the adventures of a scheming kid named Zach and his efforts to thwart the school principal, Mr. Belding. A buddy and I had a bet. I told him that I could write something that would be on the air within a year. And I looked at all the shows on TV, and I picked Saved by the Bell. At the time, I was very arrogant and thought that that would be an easy show to write. And there was one episode I watched over and over and over to learn how to do it. It was an episode where Screech gets hit by lightning and gets the power to see the future. Hey, Screech, how'd you know that light was going to fall? I'm not sure. Ever since that lightning hit me last night, I've been getting these pictures in my head. And I taped it uh, on my Betamax and watched it tons of times, and I counted the number of lines. I just studied every single thing about how a show was built. I then set out to write my script with exactly 176 lines of dialogue. Here to bring my masterpiece to life are tonight's members of the Mortified Community Players. We have Matt Burke as Zach Morris, Kirsten Gronfeld as Screech, Nikki Shorts as Lisa Turtle, Zoe Jarman as Kelly Kapowski, Mark Beltzman as Mr. Belding, and special guest stars Ann Jensen and Nick Forbes. Scene one, Belding's office. Zach enters. Good afternoon, Mr. Belding. Oh, and might I say that is a lovely tie. Cut the flattery, Morris. Have a seat. I have a list of all the practical jokes that have been pulled this week, most of which you did. Zach reacts. The school is out of control. I can't seem to communicate anymore with the students. So, what does this mean? I think it's time for Richard Belding to throw in the towel. Well, let's face it, I guess I just wasn't cut out to be a principal. Zach gives the camera a thumbs up. <laughs> Scene five, class crowded, bell rings, a teacher speaks. It is my pleasure to introduce the new principal of Bayside, Mr. Joe Hamilton. Hamilton, a young, good-looking man, enters. <laughs> good morning, students. If I may have your attention for just a few minutes, there are a few things I want to tell you. You can tell us anything you want. The girls agree. <laughs> Are there any girls in here interested in cheerleading? All girls raise their hands. Good, because all those interested will get a bonus A on the report card in place of Jim. Girls are happy. The bell rings. Wasn't he just the greatest? Really? He was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, come on. He wasn't that gorgeous. Girls walk out babbling about Hamilton. He was the most beautiful guy I've ever 
Later, scene 10, the guys meet in Zach's room to discuss what to do about the new principal. But a picture of Screech's hot cousin has distracted them, and Zach gets bug-eyed. Oh my god, she's gorgeous! Yeah, it's too bad she's getting married next week! Wait a sec. Would she be willing to do us a favor for a good old cousin-in-law? Doubt it. We'll pay her 50 bucks. I think so! Gentlemen, our problems are solved. Scene 11, hallway. The girls are at a locker. A gorgeous lady, Screech's cousin, enters. I was just wondering, can you tell me where Mr. Hamilton's office is? Um, it's right around the corner. And what did you say your name was? Bridget. Hamilton. I'm Mr. Hamilton's wife. Wife? <laughs> yes, since January. Shows them her ring. Well, I really must hurry. I have a modeling session at two. She exits. <laughs> So, I mailed my finished script to NBC in October of 1990. When I didn't hear back, I began calling. Then I called more and more. Every single day, I you know, would come home from school and I'm checking the mailbox. You know, what has come from NBC? And you know, it was just crickets. Nothing was arriving. Then, so, I just got out the phone book and figured out how to call like Los Angeles information and asked for like NBC and then called NBC and then asked for, you know, can I get the number for Saved by the Bell? And then they just gave it to me. And so after a while, I started calling, you know, asking for updates. And the producer I'd sent it to, his name was Tom Tenowich. He was the supervising producer. And I would always ask for Tom Tenowich. And, and Tom Tenowich was always in a meeting. He was a very busy guy, apparently. I called once a week for probably I don't know, at least six weeks. I finally came home and I see in the mailbox that something has arrived. And it's this gigantic envelope from NBC addressed to me and I have never been so excited. Months later, I got a reply from Tom Tenowich, the supervising producer, but Tom had bad news. They already developed an idea similar to mine so they had to reject my script. I was crushed. My dream of becoming a writer by 16 was over. Now, five years later, I was in college watching Saved by the Bell, and sure enough, the girls fall in love with a substitute teacher and the boys seek revenge. This was my storyline. And it started to gnaw at me. Did they really develop this plot, or did NBC and Tom Tenenwich steal it? And I determined that they stole it. I now take you to scene 14. Zach's latest scheme to get rid of Hamilton involves a prank phone call with Screech posing as the superintendent, warning Hamilton about a mysterious disease. I'll tell it to you straight. Bayside is known to drive principals mad. I had no idea. Just beware of the symptoms. People seem to be talking in double, especially if you're the only person who will notice that. And, and what should I do if this happens? Quit your job and get to a shrink, pronto! Hamilton hangs up the phone and someone knocks. Come in. Kelly enters. Mr. Hamilton Hamilton? Are you busy busy? Why are you doing that? Doing what what? Is something wrong wrong? Oh my <laughs> God, it's happening. Lisa enters. Hi, hi, Kelly Kelly. Oh, hi, hi. I think something's wrong wrong with him him. Oh, what's wrong wrong? <laughs> no way. I've only been here a week. He must be sick sick. Out of my way! I'm going crazy! Hamilton hurries down the hall, screaming. Ah! Around the corner, the guys give each other a high five. 
Scene 15, classroom. Bell rings. A teacher speaks. Quiet, everyone. I'm going to introduce the new principal. Nah, I'll leave you in suspense. We can't take it anymore. Who's the new principal? Well, he's not exactly new. Impossible! The only other principal here has been Mr. Belding. Belding enters. I'm back. (laughs) I thought about it, and I realized Bayside is my home. I have friends here. And I was not going to let a few pranksters... Looks at Zach. (laughs) Drive me out of my dream. The class cheers. And Zach gives the camera a double thumbs up. Now, for, for decades, I'd been regaling friends with my great Hollywood war story, how I wrote a brilliant script at age 15, and how that damn dirty Tom Tinowich stole it. <laughs> so last year, I decided to look up my episode on IMDb, and there it was, The Substitute. Original air date, September 30th, 1989, a full year before I wrote my episode. Ashamed, I dug out my old NBC rejection letter, and as I reread it 18 years later, I felt my crowning childhood achievement officially vanish. It turned out Tom Tenowich was not the monster I'd made him out to be. He was actually a really nice guy, taking the time to deal with a smug teenager who thought it was so simple to write a TV show. Here to read that rejection letter, the folks at Mortified found the perfect person. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce a man who I have never actually met in person until tonight, Tom Tenowich. Dear Bo, (laughs) sorry for the delay in getting back to you. We're very busy meeting our production deadlines. After that, my back went out for a month, and even sitting upright was an effort. (laughs) We cannot use the script you submitted because the story is very similar to one we taped about a year and a half ago in which Kelly, Lisa, and Jesse were taken by a charming, handsome substitute teacher. Unfortunately, Bo, different writers working independently sometimes get similar ideas. Also, it may help you to learn the proper script form for a tape television show. (laughs) For instance, your script has no page numbers or scene numbers. No headings, items which are essential for clarity. There also are many typos and misspellings, which you should be careful to catch before submission. Your script often has the name of the character on the bottom of one page with his dialogue at the top of the next page. That is confusing. Thank you again, Bo, for caring enough to submit ideas to our show. Sincerely, Tom Tenowitz, supervising producer. At age 15, I saw his letter as a rejection, but hearing it again all these years later, I realized it was actually meant to inspire me, because in mid-memo, a successful TV producer actually called me a writer. 
When they met on stage for the first time that night, almost 20 years had elapsed since Bo first wrote to Tom. And a lot happens in two decades. So we were curious, what were the chances that Tom actually remembered Bo? I remember my assistant telling me, uh, I have a script here, kind of a script. <laughs> and uh, there, are, there are a lot of problems here. <laughs> I says, well, is it... Uh, is there much to uh, give him any praise for or any uh, encouragement for? And he said, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I did read it, and uh, I saw some confidence and belief and drive in this kid that reminded me of myself. I thought he needed encouragement. With Bo, Tom felt a kinship because he knew how hard it was to be on the outside looking in. I grew up in Philadelphia. No connections to Hollywood at all. Started writing jokes as a hobby in freshman year, I think. Just in a little notebook, you know. I think I remember the first one. It was a horrible pun. Is that fish drawn to scale? (laughs) That was the beginning. (laughs) What Bo didn't realize when he wrote to the producer back in the day was that Tom wasn't just a guy on some goofy kids show. He was actually someone who'd shaped much of sitcom history. We're in my office at home, and I have a few mementos that mean a lot to me from various shows that I've been on. Up there is the plaque from the Writers Guild Award. We were nominated for Mork and Mindy. Next to it is a picture of me and Tiny Tim during an episode of the Jackie Gleason show. I I did the uh, Phyllis show with Cloris Leachman. Then uh, the year after that, the original Bob Newhart show. I worked on Cheers of Tortelli's, Don DeLuise show, that led to six years on Dean Martin. This is a a red heart, and it was uh, from a Saved by the Bell episode where everybody was uh, giving hearts to their various friends. And the other thing Bo didn't realize when he spent all those years fuming was just how much Tom could relate. I wrote a bit uh, that I thought would be very good for Bob Newhart, who was uh, probably at the time my favorite comedian, and uh, submitted it. theme of the sketch was Superman taking his outfit to the dry cleaner and trying not to let on that it's anything special. I got a note back from the agent in New York. Thank you, not not really interested. A few weeks later, I was watching a show called The Entertainers, and it featured uh, Don DeLuise, Bob Newhart, Katerina Valenti. One of the sketches was Superman at the Dry Cleaners. Now, I called the agent and said, do you have any connection with this? submitted that and he said no i don't have any connection with that show or bob and maybe it was pure coincidence but who knows maybe it was an idea of bob's Uh, it could be but that convinced me that i could write something of network quality that was the selling point for me that i could be a tv writer hearing him speak it's hard not to wish everyone had someone in their corner like tom tenowich growing up someone to give you the tools to make your way in life. And in some ways, that's how Tom saw the role of the show. TV uh, can be important to kids if it deals with what they're thinking and feeling at the time. I think Saved by the Bell matters. There There was silliness to it, no doubt about that, but it gave vent to teenage feelings. Sanitized, but you get to see that the other kids can be like you and going through a lot of the same things that you're going through. I think escape is important for anybody because it helps you dream. 
And this concludes today's episode, where we learned making a TV show is harder than it seems. Mr. Hamilton Hamilton? Are you busy busy? But watching a TV show is super easy, which is exactly why you should watch our new series, The Mortified Guide, streaming on Netflix starting Valentine's Day, February 14th, and available for rent on Amazon starting February 1st. To share the shame, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or visit GetMortified.com to learn about Mortified stage shows, books, films, and beyond. Click Participate, and who knows, maybe you'll appear on a future episode of this series. As many of you know, the Mortified Podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX. Thanks to Adzerk for providing their ad-serving platform to Radiotopia. And if your company would like to support our podcast, we would love that. Email sponsor at Radiotopia.fm. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Hadley Dion, Dave Nadelberg, and myself, Neil Ketcher. Stories were produced for the stage by Ann Jensen-Smith, music by Gordon Bash, Alex Burke, Adam Smith, The Angel, Zoe Rose Palladino, and Snake, Snake, Snakes. Big thanks to Tom Tenowich and to Lance Roberts Studios and all the dedicated Mortified Live producers whose work make the stage show possible. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived.